I know we have a few prayer requests online. Um, Okay, Devin, Dottie's relatives. Yeah, and I think Devin is a female grand granddaughter. Okay. Okay, and then um, our brother Tom is online, and he requests prayer. Uh, he's just struggling right now. He's you know like all of us. This, this is a hard time of year for a lot of people. Tom is struggling with a lot of things in his life, some physical things, some some thoughts and this and that. So in our prayer time, let's remember to lift all of us each other up. You know, I, I, I can't hear Jim. Uh oh, Connie. Yes, Alex. Yeah, how's he doing? He just needs a lot of good prayer that, you know, he would listen to what God's saying and let it sink into his heart. Yeah. And be changed and not angry. Okay. Take opportunities that come his way from godly people and godly circumstances. Yeah. All right, good. All right, so we have got Tom. So we got Devin. Dottie has a relative named Devin that's, that's in a lot of pain. She had surgery, so she's asking for a prayer for that. Then we got Tom, we got Alex, oh. rich man. Um, this is just, I wanted to say thank you to whoever. Pat gave me this gift Friday. It was that Quick Trip Cup. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was a group of people where you guys were with Quick Trip. Yeah. And I opened the envelope when I got home, and I just want to say thank you for the gift. Um, yeah. And uh, pass that message on to whoever you guys, because um, you say you do it every year with a group of people. Yeah. Quick yeah. So, All right, well, good deal. Well, I'm glad to uh, be of use there. Good deal. Yes, uh, Mr. Ed. I have a friend that just lost their father to some pretty extreme circumstances. Oh, wow. And they're filled with uh, quite a bit of pain. If we could lift them up. Okay. <clears throat> Uh, and I was thinking of Tom Holloway too. Oh, Tom, yeah. Yes, with his surgery. Yeah, Tom. Holloway. Yeah, um, we got a couple things there. Yesterday, Chris and Lauren were in a fender bender. They're okay. Everybody's okay. But Chris's uh, prized truck is pretty bashed up. It's probably totaled. So we kind of spent the day with them, like, you know, the tow truck and the cops and all that. So they're still kind of, like, rattled about all, all of it. So I'm going to pray for them. And She's had a lot of problems with that truck. I know. It's like like Christine or something, that old movie. It's like, you know, we're going to go out this morning. It's going to be fixed. See, they, they had it stolen last Valentine's Day, but they got it back, and it just seems like it's one thing after another. We prayed for protection, and they stole it, did not tear it up, which was very unusual. So they got it back. Yeah. Yeah, we had to fix the little thing. Somebody almost hit them. Like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's been a heck of a thing. You don't so. need to drive around any holiday. <laughs> yeah, just, you know, that's true. It's Valentine's Day, and it's like, wham, wham, wam. The truck must die. All right, Becca, did you have something? Uh, my chains are gone with their dads until next Sunday. Oh, okay. Well, that's going to be tough being away from them uh, that long. And it's the longest ever. Wow. Yeah, that's sad. Usually it's only a week. Yeah. Ten days. Uh, Becca. What's the news? All right. And then Chris, Chris and Lauren have a nephew. He's a little, he's a little guy. He's like seven or eight. He had, he has a cleft palate, and he had Tom. Yeah, little Tom. He had some surgery a few days ago, so we're continuing to pray for his healing. So yeah, it's uh, they're trying to get him all fixed up. All right, so let's uh, let's start with let's open up with a word of prayer. All right, Lord, we do uh, thank you this morning for your word that we can study, and thank you for the uh, the way the Master that's uh, teaching us how to share our faith, Lord. And uh, so, wanna, we have so many prayer needs and things that we want to lift up to you this morning, uh, Lord. We pray for Dottie's. I think it's her granddaughter, Devin, that she had surgery recently and is in a lot of pain. I want to pray for uh, wisdom for the doctors that they would help treat her physically. Pray that Dottie can help minister to her mentally, Lord, and that you would draw Devin close to you. 
uh, want to lift up our brother Tom Merritt, Lord, that he's struggling with some things and we don't know all the details, don't need to know, but you do, Lord, and just want to pray that you touch and comfort and minister to Tom in a special way. Um, ease his mind, ease his thoughts, and just help lead, guide, and direct him, Lord, and draw him close to you. And for Alex, Lord, uh, we pray for Alex often and want to continue to lift him up that you would work in his heart and the, the things that he hears and knows about you, Lord, that you can use those things to, to tenderize his heart like the the soil that we, we read of, that his heart would be tender and the gospel would penetrate and, and grow. Uh, I just want to continue to lift Alex and his girlfriend both up, Lord. And for Ed's friend that's lost their father, Lord, that's... Uh, it can be so tough losing loved ones, especially around the holidays. just want to pray for comfort there, that Ed can be a, your ministering agent for that family, Lord, as we know he would be. And for Becca, Lord, it would be tough being away from your boys for so long, but want to pray a hedge of protection around the boys while Becca's not there to, to, to watch after them. Pray that uh, she could have a peace of mind about how they're doing. Pray that you could minister to Becca in a special way. As you know, we know, Lord, that she just come to know you, and just want to pray for her and her her growth. That you'd uh, just continue to to teach her how much you love her, Lord, and how much you love all of us. So we thank you again for the day. Thank you again for everyone here, and pray you'd uh, speak to us uh, the things you want us to have. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. So now we got to switch gears. Think. Oh yeah. Here's this is the food box list. I want to go that way. Huh? Are you? Yes. All right. So all right. So let's pick up uh, the way of the master. Last week we covered. Uh, actually, Belinda, you may. Does everybody have their books? We've been going through these workbooks. Steve sent out a uh, text last night that we should all bring him. Let me get your book here. I think we have an extra. That's mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here you go. Oh, whoops, here's that. Does anyone else need a book? Um, whoops, I'm sorry. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> you know, we have a lot of these uh, tracks left, these these icebreakers that we've been talking about, the million-dollar bills. All right, I'm going to make it rain. Here it comes. No. no, I'm not going to do that. Okay, yes. Okay, just take a few, pass them on. Now, you might notice these million-dollar bills are the special COVID edition. Yeah, they're really cool. He printed them today, yes. Their ink is still fresh. Yes. See, I take two or three or four, whatever you want. We've still got more. Oh, man, here's a whole other stack. Do we, do we want more? We don't want to be stingy with them. Yeah, isn't a mask cool? Steve got those for us a few weeks ago. Got more of them coins? There might be in that box. That's the goodie box. All right. Oh, yeah, the quick reference card. Does anyone need the quick reference card? I got to open this up. This one's open. Okay. I want a quick reference card. Ed, uh, I got one. I got, I got a bunch. Uh, Belinda may want one, one, and making it rain. <laughs> Be all gangsta with the tracks. So now you guys can track up, like like we've talked about. You know, uh, yeah, like I mentioned, I leave tracks in my car. I I leave them everywhere. Gas pumps, quick trip bathrooms, everywhere I go, I just drop a track. Sam's Club, I leave them at Sam's Club when I go there. All right. Yeah, I left one on Steve's truck one time. He didn't know I was there. I think where was he? He was at Coles. We saw him at Coles. There you go. Can you kill time for the video until I get back to the bathroom? You betcha. All right, so what we'll do, all right, as is our custom, what did we talk about last week? Actually, the last two weeks. 
we uh, the ten questions that you get hit up with and how to yes uh, get Pam candy bar back to the yeah Rich you can catch it for Back to the um, basics. Yes, Pam is right. We talked about that whenever we whenever we share our faith with people, like the way the Master's been teaching us, inevitably, whether it's work or wherever you're at, you're going to get questions from people. And there's like ten of the top ten questions uh, that people ask. And that's what we covered for the last couple of weeks. And then we kind of briefly covered how to respond to each question. Does anyone remember one of the questions? Like, what's kind of the big one? Number one. Are you saved? No. How can can these bad things happen? That's the yes. We always hear that. Uh, Our unsaved friends or or people we work with will say, hey, why is there bad things happening to good people? So we need to all kind of know how to answer that one. Huh? I don't know. It's right here in the book. Just teasing, yeah, I do. No candy for you. No, it. Uh, you know, God's in control. I mean, it goes. You know, I mentioned last week. Habakkuk is my favorite book on that because that's that's really what the book of Habakkuk is. <laughs> We look around, we see people like, you know, like Pastor Jim Boyette, Randy, and just, why do bad things happen to people, good people, good soldiers, and they just do. We live in a cursed world. Bad things do happen. God's always in control. It may seem bad to us, but it ain't. Yeah, Rich. Are you talking about the question like, uh, ask someone, do you know you go to heaven or not? Yeah. No, that's the actual procedure. The four, the questions. And another question was that I I used to hear this a lot whenever I did concerts and whatnot. What happens to all the uh, you know natives in Africa, the deep Amazon jungle that have never heard about Jesus? You know. That's when us missionaries go into places and teach them about the word. Yeah, exactly. Read your book. Read your book. Kevin and you yeah, every every question has a whole thing, but yeah, <laughs> there you go, good man. Thanks. Yes. All right. So now today, get get her a stick, man. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> today we're going to talk lesson seven. Oh wait, let, let me cover the homework. Does anyone remember what the homework was? We were to share our faith with our dog or cat. Just what? practice. Want to share my faith with your cat? Was Was you here, Kevin? Oh. <laughs> Did anyone share their faith with their dog or cat? Um, granddaughter. Well, that's even better. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, that's good. I did a really good job, and then she said. Grandma, Mama already told me all that. Well, praise the Lord. <laughs> praise the Lord. That's good. Repetition. That's good. So anyway, that was our homework last week. Is And every week, our standing homework is to pass out tracts and share your faith wherever you can. So that, that was last week. That brings us up to current. So today we start a new lesson, Chapter 7. It's on page 75 of our book. And this was pretty interesting. When I first watched the video at home, I wasn't sure where they, where they were going to go with it. It's pretty interesting. Exposing the myth of the modern message. So I'm going to go ahead and roll the beautiful bean footage. I um, want to turn off the light. Let me see here. I was going to. What this video is about, I'll just give you a quick. It's about how the gospel and the message of Christ has been diluted over the years and you'll relate to it and it has it has been I mean I was saved in 83 wow what a difference when you know like music the message the bibles it's all been diluted watered down Christianity that's the first thing he does here is is watering down so it's really cool Uh, brings up a lot of good points Um, so anyway with that I'll start it if it'll work Let's review what we've learned in these lessons. We've talked about the tremendous moral responsibility that each of us have to reach out to the lost with the gospel. We're like a good firefighter who must not let himself become lazy or unconcerned about the fate of the lost. Then we looked at the God-given key, the law, the Ten Commandments, which show someone why they need the Savior. Imagine your child is deathly sick, and you've been given medicine that will cure him. But you know the medicine is bitter, so in a sincere effort to help him, 
you water down the medicine get rid of that bitter taste now what you've got may be palatable it may be easier to swallow but you're in serious danger of causing it to lose its curative properties and your child may die God has given us the medicine that cures death itself. But when we look at how the master physician administered the medicine, we have to admit it seems to have a rather bitter taste. If we look at the scriptures, we'll see that Jesus openly spoke about judgment, sin, righteousness, and hell. Words rarely heard from the lips of popular preachers today. What they've done is removed from the message that which seems distasteful. In an effort to make the message more palatable, they've removed anything that might have a bitter taste. And so they've removed the bitter tasting yet vital ingredients of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come and replaced them with the sweet tasting. God has a wonderful plan for your life. And what's happened? The medicine has lost its curative properties. The modern message may be easier to swallow. We may get more decisions and more people might join our churches, but we're in danger of these people dying in their sins. In other words, despite the fact they've prayed the prayer, if they're not genuinely born of the Holy Spirit, they'll end up in hell. That's true. episode is called God has a wonderful plan for your life. Guess where we are? We are in New York City. The Big Apple, baby. Start spreading the news. We're just a little excited to be here. I mean, who wouldn't be excited? This is a place where dreams are made. I mean, we've got Wall Street. We have Broadway. This is a place where people who are rich, famous, successful live. I mean, who wouldn't want to come here? So we're here for a few days talking to people about God's wonderful plan for their life. someone, God has a wonderful plan for your life? Yes, definitely. Do you say that? Yes. What would you think of if I said to you, God has a wonderful plan for your life? What would you think of the word wonderful? What does it conjure up in your mind? Any thoughts? happiness. Would you say that again? Can you hear that? Joy or happiness. A wonderful thing is not to have to work. You know what I'm saying? Have lots of beautiful women like this one right here. Beautiful woman. Beautiful woman. Have, have you know, drive beautiful whips like that. You know what I'm saying? Do, you know what I'm saying? Meet intelligent, beautiful people like you asking me important and inquisitive questions. I just think total peace and bliss and happiness. I think that would be the, you know, to be able to, to, to love unconditionally, uh, and eliminate the whole idea of hate. What would God's wonderful plan be? For me to be staying in school, graduate, make this money I'm planning on making. If I pray not ask, so I had to get the Ferrari, or get that little Porsche Carrera, you know, put it on some uh, 20 inch rim spinning all the way. I would need some, uh, I got some, uh, some jewelry, and some world peace. I think it would just be that like all my family stays healthy and like, we just have a happy next year and you know, everything goes good. I would say the same thing that all my like wishes would come true, like getting into good college and staying healthy for the next year and all my family being healthy as well. It's September the 10th, 2001, the day before the attack on the World Trade Center. You've been asked to speak to a thousand people on the hundredth floor of Tower One. Your message, the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
as you look at the vast sea of faces before you, you realize that within 24 hours, most of these people will experience a horror so terrifying, so terrible, it defies human imagination. Many of them will become instant human torches. Others will jump a hundred stories to their death on the unforgiving sidewalks of New York. Others who remain within the building will collapse with it and be crushed to a point where their bodies will never be recovered. What are you going to tell these people? God has a wonderful plan for your life. So would you tell them God has a wonderful plan for your life, the thousand people, or would you have to change your message for that audience? If you knew what was going to happen? Yeah, if you knew they were going to smashed into death within 24 hours in a horrible, unspeakably horrible way. If you knew that they were going to die, I think you'd have to change your message. Because you couldn't really say to a bunch of people who were going to die the next day that God had a wonderful plan for your life. If the wonderful plan message doesn't apply to those people, how then can it be the biblical gospel? Jesus never promised that things would get easier if we simply accepted a wonderful plan. He actually said that becoming a Christian would make things harder. He said, brother will deliver a brother to death and a father his child. And that children will rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. And that all men would hate you because of my namesake. Can you imagine that? People hating you because you're a Christian. And then your own family members putting you to death. Jesus then said there would come a time when people would think they're doing God a favor by putting you to death. That does not sound like a very wonderful plan. But didn't Jesus promise an abundant life? Didn't he say, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly? Doesn't that mean we're promised a happy life? Well, no. The word abundant just means full. And the Apostle Paul did have an abundant life. His life was full. Stonings, shipwreck, imprisonment. I mean, it was full, but it wasn't full of the things that we would call wonderful. Let's now look at the fate of most of the disciples. Philip was crucified. Matthew was beheaded. Barnabas was burned to death. Mark was dragged to death. James, the less, was clubbed to death. Paul was beheaded. Peter was crucified. Andrew was crucified. Thomas was speared to death. Luke was hanged. And it didn't stop there. Stephen was stoned. Other Christians have been thrown to lions, burned at the stake. And Fox's Book of Martyrs tells us of multitudes that have been killed for the gospel's sake. The Bible says of those who loved God, they were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, were slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Hebrews 11.37 According to Christians in Crisis, in the last 2,000 years, an estimated 43 million Christians have been martyred. Over 50% of these were in the last century alone. So can you see the disconnect with that message? If we're telling people that coming to Christ will take away their problems and make them happy, that won't make sense when they come to church and see that many Christians are having trouble, problems, and even tragedy in their life. We're promising non-Christians a bed of roses, and they see that many of us are sitting on a seat of thorns. The Christian life is full of red seas, fiery furnaces, and lion's dens. And God is there with us in the midst of those trials to help us through. But to tell a non-Christian that those things won't exist for them is just not being honest. Think of more recently, the deaths of Rachel Scott and Cassie Bernal. They lost their lives because they were Christians. Well, if this is true, if what we're saying is true, who on earth is going to come if we don't offer a wonderful new life in Christ? 
what have we got to offer them? You see, I remember when I was sitting in my dentist's chair not too long ago, and the hygienist was cleaning my teeth. She was a Christian. I asked her if she had shared the gospel with the dentist who owned the company, because he wasn't a Christian. And she said, oh no, he really wouldn't be receptive to the gospel, because things are going well for him. His business is great. He's real successful. His family is healthy. Everything is fine. And so he's not at that low point that he needs to be in order for Jesus to make sense to him. And I thought, that's crazy. The gospel is not limited to the down and out and the unhappy and unsuccessful. If that dentist dies without Christ, no matter how successful and happy he is, he'll perish unless he's born again. He needs the gospel as much as anyone does. When I used to preach the Jesus will make you happy message, I had the same dilemma. I'd preach the gospel and I'd see my non-Christian friends laughing and joking and enjoying themselves. And I'd look at them and say, well, they haven't got true, lasting happiness like I've got. And I'd think I'd slash their tires and I'll bring them to Christ, which is the logical conclusion with the happiness gospel. While they're happy, they won't listen to my message. So the sooner tragedy comes to them, the better. But that doesn't make any sense. Think back to 911. A terrible national tragedy came to us. I mean, we wept as a nation. Our churches filled up for about a week. We sang Amazing Grace. We recited Psalm 23. And then most of the world went back to the world from the church. Statistics show there was no increase. So when we preach this happiness gospel, we actually paint ourselves into a corner. Watch this clip of a role play between me and a friend named Todd Friel, and we're acting out what it's like when a Christian tries to use the God has a wonderful plan message to reach someone who's already happy, who's already successful, and doesn't sense their need for a new plan. so that you can have the same peace and joy that I have. Hey, actually, pal, I have plenty of happiness, believe me. But not like, not like this, you know. I mean, I am really, really happy. Yeah, so am I. Listen, did I tell you that my agent just negotiated a syndication deal for me in the Far East? This thing is going to have me rolling in the dough. Well, that, that's really nice, but i got to tell you something. Uh, Jesus is actually uh, better than money. Oh, yeah? 
You better than an Academy Award? Kirk, there's more to life than just fame and fortune. Yeah, 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 I know. I have a beautiful wife who's the love of my life. Well, yeah, but someday you might get divorced and then you won't be so happy. Oh, that's a very nice thing to say. Well, the, my point is you have a God-shaped hole in your heart. <laughs> Actually, I don't. And even if I did have a hole in my heart, it would be filled by my children. Yeah, but someday they might get sick. Again, you're giving me lots of lovely thoughts yeah, I, here. I just want you to be as happy as I am. Don't worry. I'm plenty happy. Wait, you're just not getting it. There's more to life than money and, and being really popular. Really? What? Uh, traveling to Europe? Getting a good seat in the best restaurants? Going to the best parties? Dude! I don't have to work for another day in my entire life. Your beverage, sir. Thanks. Grant, I can't imagine life getting any better than this. Yeah, but Kirk, God has a wonderful plan for your life. Yeah, I agree with you. He sure does. And he can just keep this plan coming. Man, life is good, buddy. Yeah, but don't you want to be fulfilled? Fulfilled? I've got more fulfillment than I know what to do with. <laughs> don't you want peace? Hey, I got a good investor. That's better than peace. Don't you want joy? Got it. Uh, contentment. Check. Happiness. Ditto. Uh, well, but you, you really should try Jesus anyway. I mean, all you have to do is say this really short prayer. And really, really mean it, right? <laughs> right, I'll talk to you later. Jesus said, Whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. Then in John 6.35 he said, He that comes to me shall never hunger, and he that believes on me shall never thirst. What should we be coming to Christ hungering and thirsting for? Matthew 5.6 tells us, Blessed are they who do hunger and thirst after righteousness. But why do we need righteousness? Because we have to face God on the day of judgment. And on that day, every secret sin we've ever committed will come out as evidence of our guilt. And on that day, we don't need happiness. We need righteousness. We need a right standing with God. You've heard the phrase, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Well, that's true. But you can salt his oats. And what I mean by that is that you put salt in a horse's oats. When he eats them, it will cause him to thirst. And then he'll go to the water and drink in deeply. Now, God has given you and I a tool that will make a sin-loving sinner thirst for righteousness. Not for happiness, but to be made right with God. And that thing is the moral law of God. Jesus used it all the time. You'll find it all through Scripture. Look at Mark chapter 10, when Jesus used the moral law to show a man his desperate need of God's forgiveness. And that's what you and I need to do. Don't tell people that Jesus will make them happy, but that rather Jesus can give them the righteousness that they need to be saved. Now that's the case in my own Christian walk. Before I was a Christian, I had no desire for righteousness. But when I was confronted with that salt, the law of God, and I began to realize that God required truth in the inward parts, that He saw my thought life, and that he, he required an account of every idle word, and He considered lust to be the same as adultery, I began to see my danger and say, what should I do to be made right? For the first time in my life, I began to thirst after righteousness because the law did its work in my heart. Would you consider yourself to be a good person? Yes. Do you think you've kept the Ten Commandments? Yeah. Have you ever lied? Yes. What does that make you? A liar. <laughs> Have you ever stolen anything? Yes. Whole life. What does that make you? A thief. Have you ever used God's name as a cuss word? Have you ever taken God's name in vain? Like how? Bad, angry. Yes. You know, use God's name as a filthy. 
same thing. Here's the one that got me. Um, the seventh commandment is you shall not commit adultery. Okay? Jesus said, uh, it's true you should not commit adultery, but I say whoever looks upon a woman to lust after her has committed adultery with her already in his heart. Yes. He's thinking it through. Okay? Lust. You ever looked at a woman with lust? No. Never in your life? No. Uh, if you're looking at a guy with lust? No. No. Are you, are you, you have a, you have a beating heart? Yes. You do. You've never lusted after another person? Not, not anymore. Not lately. Sex after, well, in your life? Yes. Okay. That's what, that's what, I, that's what I meant. So you have? Yes. Okay. So, Eric, by your own admission, you're a lying thief and a blasphemer and an adulterer at heart. And that's how God sees you. That's only four of the Ten Commandments. There's six more we haven't even looked at. So if God were to judge you by that standard on the Day of Judgment, do you think you'd be innocent or guilty? Guilty. Would you go to heaven or hell? Hell. Does that concern you? Yes. That was the past. That was the past. So, but if you died tonight, do you think you'd go to heaven or hell? I'm a good guy now. You're a good guy now. Well, and now this is an honest question. I want you to give me your honest answer. Okay. If, if a murderer is standing before a judge, yeah. and it had been 10 years since he murdered someone, and he had never been brought to justice, and he says, Judge, it's been a long time. I'm a good guy now. I'm hoping you'll just let me go. Should the judge let the murderer go? If he's never been brought to justice, it took that long to get a hold of a guy. No. The same way God says in the Bible that he is so good that just because time has gone by since you've done these things that you're saying were bad, because he's so good, he's not going to let you go simply because some time has gone by. Time doesn't forgive sin. Whoa. Can you believe it? The batteries ran out of our camera in the middle of that interview. But I did take the time to tell him how Jesus took his punishment upon himself when he died on the cross. Then he rose from the grave. I didn't tell him about a wonderful plan. I simply told him that he could be made righteous in God's sight by trusting in the Savior. And the guy shook my hand and thanked me, telling me how appreciative he was that I took the time to talk with him. Maybe we can pull this teaching together with this final story. A young boy and his father were out camping in the woods, having a great time running through the forest, when all of a sudden the boy tripped over a fallen log, fell on the ground, and a broken branch stabbed him in the neck. It pierced his jugular vein, and he was bleeding profusely. The father put his hand over his neck to stop the bleeding and save his son's life, rushed him to the hospital, and put him into the hands of the surgeon. Just as he did that, the little boy raised his finger to the surgeon and said, Doctor, my finger hurts. I have a splinter. Please help me. The doctor pushed his finger aside because he knew that he needed to address the wound that was draining his life's energy. The, the jugular vein was, was pierced and he needed to address that first, not the splinter. Now, you and I have, have uh, got many things in our lives that may seem painful. Broken marriages, health problems, financial problems. But God is going to push aside the splinters of those types of things and address the thing that's draining our life's blood, our sin. God is concerned with saving our souls, not just fixing up the fringe areas of our life. And that's what you and I must do. Speak of the issue of sin and of righteousness and the need of forgiveness. You know, when Kirk and I arrived here tonight to do the shoot, we looked at the skyline behind us and we were so impressed. We said, whoa! But take a look at the skyline. Can you see what's missing? If you're intimately familiar with the New York skyline, you'll say, whoa, the World Trade Center is missing. Those two towers are not there. And it's the same with Scripture. If you're not intimately familiar with Scripture, you'll look at the results of modern evangelism. You'll look at megachurches and millions being saved around the world, and you'll be impressed. But if you're familiar with Scripture, you'll say, oh, something is missing. It's the two tablets of God's law. It's the Ten Commandments that Jesus used to bring the knowledge of sin, to show men they needed the righteousness of God, to drive them to the foot of a bloodstained cross. And that's what we must do if we want to see genuine results, true repentance, people coming to a knowledge of eternal salvation. Do you consider yourself to be a good person? 
in most ways I do. I know you. Yeah, I, I know. I know I'm not like a perfect person because obviously nobody's perfect, but I consider myself a fairly good person. Okay. If we look at the Ten Commandments, um, at God's law, to see if that's true, I'm going to ask you a few questions, and we'll go through the, the commandments to see if that's true. Now, the first one is: Have you ever lied? steals, what do you call that? A stealer. Another word for stealer. Liar. When you thief, steal stuff. Thief. You thief. That's a good one. <laughs> okay, thief. So Amanda, you've already admitted to me that you're a liar and you're a thief. And the Bible says that you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus said that if you've looked at someone in lust, then you've committed adultery in your heart. Have you ever looked at a person with lust? Yeah. Not it's not like a common occurrence, but I probably you looked at a man and said, "Oh, good looking." Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Amanda. By your own admission, you're a lying, thieving, adulterer at heart. Do you still consider yourself a good person? Okay. When you stand before God on Judgment Day, are you going to be innocent or guilty? As of now, guilty. Would you go to heaven or hell? Hell. Does that concern you, Amanda? Yeah. I see your heart, Amanda. And do you know what God did for you so you don't have to go to hell? He did some he did something special for you, Amanda. Do you know what that is? He sent his son, his one and only son, to die on that cross and take the punishment for you. And if you put your repent of your sins, all the things that you've ever done against the Lord, and put your trust in Jesus Christ, He will cleanse you of all your sins. And He'll come and live inside your heart. And then when you die, you can go to heaven. Do you want to do that today, man? Yeah. Do you want to pray on camera? Or do you want to <laughs> step off? Or... No. To pray right now, here and now. I mean, I can see that you're sorry for your sins, and if this is what you really want to do, if you want Jesus to change your life and save you from your sins, He'll do that for you right now. God is here, He's real, He's alive, and He wants to change you. He wants to come and give you a new life to make you a new creation in Jesus Christ. Do you want to pray? You just go ahead and pray from your heart. I don't. Jesus, I'd just like to thank you so much for this opportunity today to meet up with these people. Um, I have never had my eyes opened so real before. I always thought that I wasn't a bad, that bad of a person, but it just kind of slapped me in the face today. Um, I'd just like you to cleanse me, Lord, of all my sins. Please just give me the strength to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Biblical evangelism is always, without exception, law to the proud, grace to the humble. Never will you see Jesus giving the good news, the gospel, to a proud, arrogant, self-righteous person. Why? Because he always did those things that pleased the Father. Do we have to use the law, the Ten Commandments, every time we share the gospel? Of course not. 
We're simply doing what Jesus did. He diagnosed the disease and he prescribed the appropriate medicine. With the law, he broke the hard heart. With the gospel, he healed the broken one. And you can see him doing this in Mark 10 and Luke 18, breaking hard hearts with the law and then healing the broken heart with Nathaniel and with Nicodemus where he gave him the gospel. The Bible says God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Now, some of you might be saying, well, that makes sense. Uh, and the commandments are good, but I still think that uh, the modern methods work fine for some people. In fact, look at all of the megachurches. You obviously don't need the commandments in order to get decisions for Christ. So what's wrong with that thinking? Is there a problem with it? For the answer, please look at this clip from an episode of the Way the Master television program called The Fear of God. A blind man is unknowingly making his way toward a thousand foot cliff. A stranger approaches him and says, Blind man, I have a wonderful gift for you that will give you peace. And then he hands him a CD player, adjusts the earphones over his ears. The sightless man hears Amazing Grace sung by a choir of 10,000 voices. His blind eyes widen with excitement. He smiles and says, thank you. What you said is true. This is truly wonderful. He shakes the man's hand and he turns up the volume on his newfound gift and continues tapping his way toward the thousand foot cliff. stranger done for the blind man? Well, he's not only failed to warn him of his danger, he's still heading toward the thousand foot cliff, but now he is deaf to any further verbal warning. He's done the blind man an unspeakable disservice. Now, study the vocabulary of modern preaching. Much of it is designed to keep people happy and comfortable so that they'll want to stay for a long time. And while many pastors and preachers faithfully open up biblical principles, much of the teaching often steers away from any mention of words such as hell or repentance or judgment day. And many preachers also fail to open up God's law as Jesus did to show a person how they've sinned against God and desperately need his forgiveness. Now perhaps, this side of eternity, you and I will never comprehend what God is using us for. We run around telling people how they can find everlasting life in Jesus Christ. And perhaps we won't comprehend it until the day we stand before God. And the great shepherd of the sheep separates the sheep from the goats. And we see someone that we gave a track to, that we called on the phone, we wrote a letter to, we witnessed to, separated into everlasting life. Perhaps then and only then will we comprehend what God is using us for. In the meantime, the Bible says, Let him know. He that converts a sinner from the error of his ways shall save a soul from death and hide a multitude of sins. Let him know. Do you know what God is using you for? The next lesson is a huge adrenaline rush. It's 30 minutes of pure encouragement. You're going to be inspired by what you see. So don't miss it. We hope to see you then. video. Yeah. That was good. I'm glad I showed up to this class. Yeah, well, yeah, we're always good. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, but it was a good one, you know, because I'm guilty. Is anyone else in here guilty of of, tr of telling people that, you know, you need Jesus because he can fulfill your life and, you know, all the good stuff? I mean, I didn't realize how much I did that, and I mean, I'm going to stop doing that because that really makes a lot of sense. Yeah, Kevin? Um, 
So I found out a very general way to talk to people is if you walk up to them and be like, you know, I don't know exactly what's going on in your life right now. Yeah. God does. And he wants me to tell you that it's going to be all right. Yeah. I, that, just that's a good icebreaker. Is like they'll break yeah. down a lot of times. Just that simple little thing. Yeah. Oh, that <laughs> I is cool. described it as having peace amongst the storm. That's because a good way Jesus of doing it. Jesus does give you peace. He does, yeah. But it does, it is amongst a storm because our life does become harder as a Christian. It it's does. worth it. It has value. Yes. Well, you don't have to face it alone anymore. You got right. somebody Yeah, there you go. Yeah, like he said, he, he used Paul. Paul had an abundant life, but he was beat, stoned. And, and then I like the way they did the Fox's Book of Martyrs. You know, we talk about that book a lot in here. That's a must-read for every believer. Right. <laughs> They're willing to give up their lives. Yeah. They, they found value. They found a great treasure. Yeah, it was an honor. I mean, pretty much everyone in the New Testament died a violent death. I mean, the people that wrote our Bibles died a violent death. Even in the Old Testament, a lot of those prophets uh, were martyred. So our Bible is written by martyrs, and it's been preserved for us by people that have died over the years, especially in the Dark Ages, to give us our, our Bible. So... Yeah, so it's not necessarily a, a gospel of, of the happiness. Um, yeah, and I like the way, too, he did the, you know, if we knew someone was going to die. Our, our workbook actually gives the example of JFK, John F. Kennedy. And it's our workbook's got some additional info, so if you, you, you ought to read it if you get a chance. But if you knew someone was going to die in the next 24 hours, how would that change your message? And that's really thought-provoking. I thought that was really cool, because we would change our message. And that's what the way of the master is encouraging us to do. Yeah, Becca. Um, on 83 in our way of the master. Page 83? Uh, it says with Proverbs 27, 6. Could you explain? Yes, that's a good one. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Yeah, just, sorry, go ahead. If, okay, kind of like uh, if... If a friend, someone you love and trust, tells you the the honest truth, and they do that out of love in order to help you in some area, that's a faithful message. Kiss of the friend, yeah. Well, it's kind of like that. So that's kind of what that verse is saying. When a friend wounds you, like they maybe hurt you, it maybe hurts you inside what they had to say because the truth hurts sometimes. Mm -hmm. But they tell you the truth in love. It can hurt, and it can hurt your heart, but it's a friend. Uh, that's what that's saying. The, kid, the, the, the faithful are the wounds of a friend. It's a faithful wound. Mm-hmm. It's a good wound. It's for your betterment. May, may I ask a question real quick? You bet. So I noticed in the video he, he talked about positional righteousness. Posi- All right, so explain that one. Um, I, don't, I don't quite remember that. He he basically he said that once you have accepted Christ, they're what how they do it. Yeah. Positionally righteous in Christ. Oh, you're right, right. Standing in state, Ephesians, right. yes. Right. And so my question is, since you guys have been doing these classes, yep. um I I would hope that they would also believe that you can now continue on to be practically righteous. In Christ, as far as living a righteous life, yeah, and, sanctification. Right, that's a good point. Then that's that's the whole paradox of we are saved, we're seated in Christ. He no longer sees our sin. Right. Positionally, we're with Him. Right. But we're still in this dirty old earth, and we still sin, and we have sinful thoughts, and and we have to deal with that. That's actually a good. That is a segue into the salting our oats. That he mentioned, and I thought that was a, mm-hmm. a cool phrase. I'd never really heard that, so I had to look it up and do some some reading. Did you do that? Um, he does anyone here do horses? I don't know if Emma, if you guys do horses. It's, it's the concept of salting the oats of a horse because you can't you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Sure, you can salt his oats. Salt his oats, and he said, "I'd never really heard that." Oh, I hadn't heard that either. Well, they have salt. Yeah, and I, I put them out from a deer, uh, which I blast, and then I eat. But, um, but the concept, like Ed's saying, sanctification, 
we should salt the oats. We should salt our own oats. We're called to be salty. I don't know if you've ever done a study of salt. Whenever... Whenever we covered the book of Leviticus years ago, we covered the sacrifices. All the sacrifices of the Old Testament are types of Jesus in some form, which we don't have time to get into. But most of the sacrifices, God always told them to put salt on it. It's like, well, that's kind of weird. Why salt? Salt preserves. It's an antibiotic. Uh, We use it to cure hams because it will make things last forever. So salt, it's a seasoning. It's good to our taste. Tastes good. So he always wanted salt added to the sacrifice to to make it uh, last. Salt was uh, expensive. You know, it was actually used as currency. It's also an electrolyte. It's an electrolyte. Lots of good things with salt. It's cleansing. Our sacrifices to God need to be worth something of value to us. It should be preserving. It should it should last. You know, all those attributes of salt apply to our sacrifices. Jesus called us to be salty. We are the salt of the earth. We are to go out into the world and bring that purifying the the good things about salt. You know, the world is a filthy place. Uh, we we need to bring that the antibacterial, non-corrupt <laughs> agent to the world. You know, old, old soldiers are called salty. You know, they were in so many battles, they sweat so much that they got like white lines on their clothes because they were salty. That's why we call them salty. We need to be the same way. So anyway, kind of got off on a tangent there. But um, So yeah, I like the way he said, so in the oats. And then back, back on the Proverbs, the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. I mean, that's kind of what... A lot of people will say nice things to you yeah. that seem like they're your friend, but they're really your enemy. So it's better to have a friend that's brutally honest that occasionally hurts you so you can heal and heal correctly. That's what that Where verse is saying. Does that little thing come from, uh, keep your friends close, but your enemies closer? Uh, that's, not, that's probably a <laughs> book of business or something. <laughs> but anyway, in our, in our books, um, I'm going to look for some highlights here. We don't have time to go through any of the questions. We had a good activity this time on researching on yeah. the internet. Page 81. Yeah. That's good, Pam, yes. And I did some of that. And it was, I mean, there there were some decent YouTube videos. Okay. Under three that were pretty on track. But Wikipedia and WikiHow. Right. Like WikiHow has, like, with pictures, it has two different methods to be saved, which is wrong. But they were they were wrong? The well, yeah. The one is, like, works and doing good and, and doing good things in the community and, you know, different ways. Yeah, work workspace. And then the other one was uh, saying prayers, and you say a prayer when you sin to ask for forgiveness, so you can stay saved. Oh wow! You know, and I'm like, ah. Wow. But uh, Wikipedia has the uh, sinner's prayer. Actually, the correct kind of. Yes. And wow, it's that's cool. Accurate, but there's no scripture. There's no. Like a Romans road. Yeah, it doesn't lead you to the truth, the, the word. Okay. But anyway, it was interesting to see the things out there. Well, that's cool. So yeah, Pam's talking about our homework on page 81 that you can do this week if you get a chance. Look up how to be saved. You'll probably see the same things she's talking about. Yeah, how to be saved. How to be saved. And uh, that's one reason I hate Facebook, is you see the most unbiblical, goofy things that people put out that are just biblically untrue. So we got to be careful where we get our doctrine. Kevin? I was actually able to uh, share my faith with somebody, uh, just a customer service agent. Oh, okay, when they call you? Yeah, uh, well, I was talking to him, and, and I was like, before I left, I was like, so can I ask you a personal question? And I said, yeah, and I said, uh, are you, you know, do you consider yourself a Christian? And she's like, well, yeah, like that. And I was like, well, why do you say that? You know, what makes you say that? And she said, well, when I was a kid, I, was, I used to go to uh, 
Catholic school or whatever with my yeah. my family and all this, and I had to jump through all these hoops and stuff. Yeah. And I said, well, yeah, I believe in all that too, but uh, that's just religion to me. I believe in faith. I believe in, in faith yeah. in Jesus. Yeah, that's right. All the works. That's right. That's good. Yeah, telemarketers. That's a good way to end the call. They'll they'll hang up on they hang up on you then. Because uh, I've done that. All right. So the other homework we have is uh, is the group activity. We were going to try to do that this month. Is all of us go somewhere and practice, like go to a. But with the COVID, we're not going to do that. Now we're over time. I don't have time to get into anything else. The questions are good. Uh, next week we'll cover the last chapter. Spreading your wings. So Steve will probably teach that one. Uh, so if you get a chance, like Pam did it early this week, so go through the chapter and do your homework early and talk about it next week. So uh, we're going to go ahead and dismiss. Don't forget, today is the food box day. If you want to help us get set up, I think Steve might already be out there getting set up. So. Does anyone want to close us out? Kevin, Sure. Close us out. Thank you, dear Lord, Heavenly Father, for allowing us to meet here together today. You say wherever two or more meet, you're in the midst thereof. Just know that you're always welcome to come sit with us, come sup with us, Lord. Amen. I just ask that uh, we leave uh, here at the table what, uh, um, you know, we, we can't use and just take the rest with us. Uh, and, uh, you know, ponder about it throughout the week and, and uh, try to find those places in, in which we can share our faith. And I pray Amen. these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.